Chapter One of Marie, Our Little Norwegian Cousin by Mary Hazelton Blanchard Wade. Recorded by Mary. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Chapter One The Farm. Come, Marie, my little daughter, and you shall help me make the cakes, called her mother. Marie stood in the middle of the big farmyard with a flock of hens around her. She was scattering grain among them from a big bag on her arm. Not a sound could be heard, except once in a while the scratching of the hen's teeth. They were too busy to notice each other or the big dog that sat on the doorstep. The little girl laughed quietly as she watched them. They are so happy. They love this pleasant summertime as much as I do, she said to herself. But the moment she heard her mother's voice, she turned quickly toward the house without stopping a moment longer to see whether her pet hen Biddy Wee or cross old yellow legs got the most dinner. Marie never in her life thought of answering her parents by saying, why papa or why mamma or i'll come in a moment marie lives in norway and norwegian parents train their children to obey without delay the little girl was only too glad to come now however her mother had promised she should learn to make flatbread today she was pleased that she was old enough to be trusted with this important work why she could keep house alone when she had mastered this necessary art and her mother could leave her in charge marie remembers when she was such a tiny tot that her head barely reached above the table even then she loved to watch her mother as she sat at the big molding board rolling out the dough until it was nearly as thin as paper this dough was made of barley meal which was raised here on the farm. It was rolled out into sheets almost as wide as the table itself, for each cake must be about a half yard across. Then came the cooking. The cake was lifted from the board to a hot flat stone on the fireplace, where it was quickly baked. How fast the pile grew, and how skillful Mother always was she never seemed to burn or break a single cake wherever you go in marie's country you will find flatbread you can eat quantities of it if you like yet somehow it will not easily check your hunger and it gives little strength now dear be careful not to get a grain of dust on the floor said her mother as marie stood at the table ready for directions the child looked very pretty with her long light hair hanging down her back in two braids. The snowy kerchief was tied under her chin, just as it was when she came in from the farmyard. She had no need to put on an apron before beginning her work, for she already wore one. She was never without it, in fact, and hardly thought herself dressed in the morning until her apron had been fastened around her plump little waist. Her cheeks looked rosy enough to kiss, but such a thing seldom happened, for mothers in Norway believe that is a bad habit. 
they think it often leads to the carrying of disease from one person to another. Shake hands with the baby and the children, they would say, but please don't kiss them. They are wise in this, don't you think so? Before Maria had rolled out six cakes, her cheeks grew rosier yet. It was hard work, although it had seemed easy enough when Mother was doing it. The first three cakes had to be rolled over and over again because they would stick to the board. Then the lifting was not such a simple thing as Marie had supposed before she came to do it herself. But she kept trying. Her mother was very patient and encouraged her with loving smiles and kind words. At last, the little girl made a really good cake and landed it all by herself on the stone without doubling or even wrinkling it. Good, good, said her mother. You will soon be a real helper, Marie. But now you have worked long enough for the first time. I will finish the baking while you take the baby and give him an airing. And where was the baby, bless him? Marie knew, for she went at once to the other side of the room where a pole was fastened into the wall. A big basket was hanging down from the end of this pole, and in the basket was a little blue-eyed baby cooing softly to himself. Marie's mother was a very busy woman. There was always something to do, either inside the house or out of doors. She had very little time for holding the baby. So when Marie and her brothers were away at school, and Mother was left alone, that dear little rosy-cheeked fellow sometimes began to cry in a very lively manner. The cooking and the cheese-making and the spinning must go on just the same, and time could not be spent in holding a baby. But he must be amused in some way, so the strong pole was fastened into the wall, and the cradle attached to the end. Do you wonder what fun there could be in staying up in that basket hour after hour? The baby enjoyed it, because the pole would spring a little at every movement of his body. As long as he kept awake, he could, and did, bob up and down. That was amusement enough. He was glad to see Marie now. She was a perfect little mother, and soon had his hood and cloak fastened on. They were hardly needed, for he was already done up in so many garments, it didn't seem possible he could be cold, wherever he went. The living room where Marie had been working was large and high. The beams were dark with age, but the floor was white from many scrubbings Marie's mother had given it. On the one side of the room was a big fireplace where all the cooking was done. During the long winter evenings, the family and servants sat in front of the blazing logs and told stories of the famous sea captains of olden times, or perhaps they talked of fairies and giants, in whom Marie firmly believed. Her mother laughed at the idea of these wonderful creatures, yet, after all, it was not more than a hundred years ago that they seemed real to many grown-up people wonderful creatures who made themselves seem from time to time dwelt in the mountains the fields and the rivers this is what marie's great-grandma had believed and was she not a sensible woman it is no wonder therefore 
that our little cousin loved to think that these beings were still real. When she went to sleep at night, she often dreamed of the gnomes who lived far down in the earth, or the giants who once dwelt among the mountains. When she was very little, she sometimes waked up from such dreams with a shiver. Oh, don't let the cruel giant get me, she would cry. Then she would jump out of her own little cot into the big bed of her parents. She felt quite safe as soon as her mother's loving arms held her tightly, and she was sound asleep again in a minute. That big bed certainly looked strong enough to be a fortress against the giants or any other of the wonderful creatures of fairy world. It stood in the corner of the living room, where Marie's mother worked all day, and where the family ate and sat. It was so high that even grown people did not get into it without climbing up the steps at one side. It had a wooden top, which made it seem like a little house. It was not as long as bedsteads in other countries. No grown person could stretch out in it to its full length. He must bend his knees or curl himself up in some way, for he certainly could not push his feet through the heavy wooden footboard. Marie's people, however, never thought of it as being uncomfortable. All Norwegian bedsteads are made in this way, so they became used to it as they grew up. But sometimes English travelers have stayed at the farmhouse all night when they had been overtaken by a storm. They would be sure to get up in the morning complaining. They would say, Oh, yes, this country of Norway is very beautiful, but why don't you have beds long enough for people to sleep in with comfort? The farm where Marie lives lies in a narrow valley half a mile from the sea. The cold winter winds are kept off by the mountain, which stands behind the houses. No one but Marie's family and the servants who work on the farm live here. Yet I spoke of houses. This is because the little girl's home is made up of several different houses instead of one large farmhouse, such as one sees in America. Marie's father thinks that two or perhaps three rooms are quite enough to build under one roof. He settled here when he was a young man. Marie's mother came here to live when they were married. At that time there was but one house. It contained the living room and the storeroom. After a while another house was built close by, for the farmhands to sleep in. Still another little building was added after a while for the winter's supplies for there is no store within many miles of the farm. Marie's mother never says, Come, my child, run down the road and buy me five pounds of sugar. Or, Hurry, dear, go and get two pounds of steak for dinner. It would be useless for her to think of doing such a thing. All the provisions the family may need must be obtained in large quantities from the distant city, unless they are raised here on the farm. The storehouse was built very carefully. It was raised higher than the other buildings so that rats and other wild creatures should have hard work to reach the supplies. There's not a great deal on hand now for it is summertime, but in the autumn the bins will be full of vegetables 
and large quantities of fish and meats will hang from the rafters. There will be stores of butter and cheese and a large supply of coffee for Marie's people drink it freely. End of chapter 1 Recorded by Mary